This is a National Arts Center podcast. Welcome to this episode of the National Arts Center NACOcast series. My name is Sean Rice and I play clarinet with the National Arts Center Orchestra. Today we are in the Hexagon Room at the National Arts Center to talk with composer Ian Cousin about his career and residency at the NAC. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you're in a residency right now. <coughs> yes. And, and basically writing commissions for chamber ensemble and also a full orchestra piece is that correct that's correct yeah cool before we get into that i'd love i'd love to talk about you and where you come from and your experience in music and why you're doing what you're doing totally uh so i have made my home toronto for the last almost 20 years Mm -hmm. um before that i i grew up in a small town in ontario called midland um and it's a small community was there till i till i finished high school uh before moving to study music in in toronto Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, growing up in a small town uh, was an interesting experience, especially before we had lots of good internet stuff. Um, And so one of the things that bothered me the most living there was I didn't have access to scores and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I would would love these trips down to the reference library in Toronto and Mm -hmm. other places where I could read interesting... How far is Midland from Toronto? It's about a two-hour ride. Okay. Car ride. All right. Yeah, yeah. (coughs) Yeah. So, I mean, so growing up in a small town, yeah, I, I uh, then lived also uh, for a couple of years in Japan. No uh, way. Yeah. Okay. So after university, went there and I, I taught English, paid paid some bills or paid some, you know, student loans. And uh, and then, yeah, made my home in, in Toronto ever since. Cool. So uh, you obviously studied composition at U of T? No, no I No, at U of T? Okay, sorry, where? So I, I, well, first of all, I didn't study composition. Okay, excellent. I love stories setting. like this. Good. Ooh, okay, here we go. Let's get into it. Here. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I studied music as as a kid mm-hmm. and um, had some really, I mean, some really, really good teachers mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So uh, teachers that were that pushed me and also pushed kind of my sound, you know, my sound world by showing me works. I remember. Um, uh, a couple in particular stood out. Uh, I had a singing teacher who uh, who introduced me to Britain and mm. to Berg and to lots of the great operas. Um, so that was fantastic. Britain and Berg, that's a pretty good entry point. It's a good entry point. <laughs> and Peter Grimes and Wozzeck, there are some yes. amazing operas. Oh. And they're, I mean, they're, Britain's got just, I, I, I still love and study those scores and, and love those works. Uh, and then another teacher who, who had records. So this is back in the day of the record. Um, by the way, I'm 37. So this is, this gives you age. my. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew but, up with LPs too. LPs, yeah. yeah. And so, and I remember records of um, the Les Voix des Mystères, uh, uh, the, the Bulgarian uh, voices of mm-hmm. Bulgarian choirs. Oh, wow. So women singing um, with these kind of really interesting rhythmic patterns and really mm-hmm. interesting, um, yeah, just uh, tension points. So like unique, use of unique melodic and harmonic. Absolutely. Too, yeah, yeah. yeah, different mm-hmm. structures, like different lengths of, of lines and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So this just really opened my world. Armory Schaefer is another big one as, Excellent. A, as a kid. Great. Um, so yeah, that's where I, I really got the love of composing. But yeah, so just to get back to your, your studying 
I went to the Glenn Gould School. Oh, and yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Piano performance Great. there. Um, and then I left and went to U of T and studied other things. So I studied English and I studied languages okay. um, and did an undergrad. And that's the extent of my education. Okay. So then I'm very curious now to talk about this because language obviously is a big part of your life. You moved to Japan to teach English. Did yes. you study Japanese as well before moving there or did you... Yeah, very, very little. <clears throat> okay. um, so I had uh, a, a kind of cursory understanding of okay. Japanese and could maneuver through different settings, like okay. so, social settings, but it was it was pretty terrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you live in Japan? <laughs> lived just outside of Tokyo, okay. in Chiba Prefecture. Excellent. Yeah. It's my favorite country to visit. Oh, it's amazing. I, I love Japan. <laughs> I love the culture. I love the music. I love yeah. the, the scenery, the, the food. Oh. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's <clears throat> such a different world, and I have not gotten back since 2004, so okay. I look for, or 2006 rather, so I, I look forward to getting back there sometime. Wow, great. So you are back in Canada mm-hmm. and living in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And is this, where was the point where you decided composition is going to be mm-hmm. my mainstream right now? Yeah. You know, I, I composed from as far back as I can remember yep. and was always writing interesting works as a kid. Um, always sort of grand ideas. So mm-hmm. grand, like, opera ideas and these kind of things. And I would take often libretti or texts that I'd found that other composers had already set okay. and then would work on them myself. Um, so I did this through my you know elementary school and teen years. Oh, cool. Um, and did quite a bit of writing um, then and and yeah, and won some awards for that as a young as a young composer. Uh, and and did it even through my twenties. Okay. People would say, "Hey, can you write this for me? Can you write that for me?" But it was only when I was about thirty, uh, in my early thirties, thirty-two, uh, that a good friend of mine, who's an uh, an artist, had a project in Toronto's Nuit Blanche, okay. and asked if I could do a soundscape for it. So that really was a way of coming back to composing. Okay. And then, you know, really, I, I asked myself, what what do I want to say? What do I want to write? Um, who do I want to kind of work with and then have constructed a career? Aren't these the questions every composer has to deal with when they're like <laughs> starting to think about yeah. what they're going to write next? Absolutely. What do I want to say? <laughs> what do I want to say? And, and, and I think really understanding limitations, you know, putting, putting limitations or um, boundaries around what I was going to do. So one of the, one of the things I said was uh, I want to work on vocal work. So songs, mm-hmm. song cycles, um, opera, and what are the kind of component pieces that would be most helpful in terms of the type of work that I was going to be writing mm. that can, you know, get me to a place to write opera mm-hmm. on a larger scale, that kind of thing. Okay. So now we we fast forward a little bit to this residency that you're participating in, in at, here at the NAC, this yeah. Carrefour. Could you please let our listeners know what exactly this is? It's yeah. a... It's a a co-partnership with the Canada Council, correct? That's correct, okay. yeah. So Canada Council and the uh, and NACO uh, got together and um, decided to sort of invest in um, emerging composers. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, this this first round, um, these two years that I'm doing, they were looking for diverse composers. Uh, so uh, so my, I, I'm Métis um, by background um, and upbringing and... So this was, you know, this was a chance for for young composers to have access to uh, to excellent players, um, opportunity to, you know, ask and discover all the questions mm-hmm. that um, that you might have um, in order to write well for for instruments and for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it came with two commissions. One was for a chamber work uh, in the first year of the residency, and then one for a work for the orchestra in mm-hmm. the second year. 
And you're the very first composer in this program. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, can you tell us about the first work you've been writing? This mm -hmm. is a chamber work, right? Yes. And is there a voice in this work? There is, okay. yeah. So I, I, I pitched a work that was setting poems of Joy Kogawa, who is a Japanese-Canadian uh, poet. Mm -hmm. She's uh, well known for one very important work uh, in the early 80s called Obasan. Uh, and her, it was her experiences uh, around the Second World War, growing mm. up in Canada, and with all of the the um, really the racism that of kind course. of existed in that mm -hmm. experience. And she was is also just a wonderful poet, a okay. wonderful person as well. And she has a great collection of poetry. So I'd been reading through her work over the years, and 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 sort of culling poems that I thought could be great. So it's so the cycle is uh, five poems. Um, uh, and the cycle's called Where There's a Wall. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm writing them for six players in the orchestra and a mezzo-soprano. And mm -hmm. have the incredible fortune of working with Christina Zabo. <laughs> really? Um, yes. Oh, congrats. Oh, That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> it's kind of like a dream come true, really. Yeah. Um, just such a great musician. All seven of them are incredible yeah. musicians. And... Uh, when you get to hear, I, I, the last couple of days we've been workshopping the piece, and I've been sitting in rehearsals, kind of giddy. I guess yeah, you could I can say. imagine. <laughs> you, hear, you hear what you write, but it's being it's being brought to life, like right. really brought to, brought to life. And that's not always the experience of of hearing your work performed. Well, it's, it's like once you once you're ready, you have to let it let it go out there and totally. be okay with it. <laughs> totally, totally. let go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so, what other instruments are in it? So you have mm -hmm. mezzo soprano. Mezzo soprano, um, violin, mm -hmm. uh, viola, double bass, so no trouble. Ah. Uh, and then uh, flute, clarinet, and bassoon. Okay, so trio against trio. In trio a way. against trio. Yeah. It's a kind of interesting septet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it also covers the the kind of range of the instruments from low to high, and so there's quite mm -hmm. a an interesting palette Lots of, of colors. colors. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about the work, mm -hmm. the inspiration, the title? I'm totally. very curious. Yeah, so the the uh, the poems are really centered around this one called Where There's a Wall. Um, the question of walls that we build, mm. um, whether they be border walls, whether they be, um, you know, metaphorical walls uh, to keep people away or to keep people separate. Um, and how those are actually permeable structures that you can actually get around or mm. over or through and what are the means that we can get around or over or through. So I thought that was a, just a brilliant uh, kind of idea, especially timely now. Um, it's really a, a, a set of poems that are about the fear of the other, um, the fear mm. of the outsider, fear of, the, um, of someone coming into our space and kind of changing yeah. it or ruining it somehow. Uh, and so it takes that, that perspective of being afraid of the outsider, and then the outs the outsider's perspective of of, of being kind of hated when they're yeah. in a space um, where they're kind of uh, where they're where they're rejected, and uh, but then also the, the thought about the wall that walls can be transgressed, walls can be can be broken down, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's language, sometimes it's music or art that can do that. Uh, so it's a really, it, the, the cycle takes us on a journey, really, through one woman's kind of experience of, of being hated, um, feeling, you know, isolated in this community, mm -hmm. and then uh, sort of embracing that and finding a voice within it. Was she, um, pardon me for my ignorance, but I don't know too much about the poet, mm -hmm. and it, it was she, were, her, were her experiences actually in Canada during the Second World War? Yes, okay. she was interred in the, in the Second she World really War. She really was, okay. Her family wow. home was okay. sold by the government, and, and so it was a really a, a terrible experience. And wow. 
it's interesting though that she has has then taken this traumatic experience and created wonderful work around mm. it mm. work that's really touched a lot of people it's helped to bring awareness to to some of these these historic um, events and issues but it's also given voice to artists to kind of find a way of expressing this yeah. as well it's I mean not not necessarily light subject matter but no but powerful subject matter certainly <clears throat> so um, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it by the way I love con- new music especially um, and I'm really curious to hear how if, if you're willing to talk about it how you musically set this material what what kind of let's maybe explore what you consider to be your compositional style yeah. so that people have a sense of the way you, what your language is yeah. and your voice uh, you know it's funny I it's hard to describe one's own style I mm-hmm. think the easiest way to describe it is is what people tell me of okay it cool when I hear they'll say oh so what have you been told by other people what have I been told <laughs> I'll tell you what other people say um, you know I think of I, I guess I would say this I I have a deep respect and love for the human voice mm. and and for singers in particular I've always I think they're fascinating creatures I mean creatures, <laughs> creatures in the best sense they're wonderful people uh, and I've become very good friends. I mean, in fact, my wife is a, is a singer. We okay. met in music school. Great. Uh, so I've, I, I've loved them, too. It sounds like uh, this has been a very important staple of your musical yes. upbringing since a very early age. If, if Wozzeck yes. Lulu... <laughs> I find it fascinating. You're talking about Wozzeck and Lulu as like an entry point into music. Oh, that is gosh. a great entry point into music. An incredible entry Vautzek point. Is, and Lulu are like two of my favorite works. They're incredible Cr- works. Crazy, Im- amazing. Amazing structurally yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. We could talk for hours yeah. about just those two works of alone. Of course. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, some incredible just way he goes about taking structures that are, are, are sort of could be seen as rigid and constrict constricting mm-hmm. and then finds this incredible expression totally um, i you know we're, we're sitting here in 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 october talking and, and the orchestra just played the baird violin concerto yeah. and amazing work. Uh, it's it's just it's a masterwork i mean i, I forgive berg for stopping writing lulu and actually not finishing it to write this violin concerto mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's such a great work mm-hmm. but expressive it, it's it's dark it's moody but it's just a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Sorry. That, that was a we total di- trend. Tra- yeah. We digress. <laughs> we <can> digress <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say um, I, I start with the voice. I think the voice informs a lot of what I do. In this case, the text and the mm-hmm. narrative, the story um, drives a lot of the way I think about the writing. So the musical writing would be sort of in response to that mm-hmm. first material. Um, and uh, I think, you know, often people will describe the lyrical nature of my writing. So it's um, there is a, a kind of lush and li- uh, lyricism to it, but there's also an angularity to mm. it and, uh, you know, a, a darkness, a tension that comes with it. I like to play to those extremes. I like to have something that's exquisitely awesome. lyrical and then something that kind of turns it on its head and can be, you know, make us think differently about it. Also, I mean, another thing I like to think a lot about is is density of of sound mm-hmm. um, and then also kind of very spare and sparse sound so you're very aware of texture and space texture spatial and space. sound yeah I think that you know I've said this before but one of the most important tools that the composer has is silence and I agree ah. knowing how to wield silence well it's a very powerful tool mm-hmm. um, in musical composition but space and silence 
Uh, so those are all things that inform the work. I mean, when people ask, what's your style? I think you I should... know it's a loaded question. I apologize. <laughs> Not but at it's, all. It's, it's a great question. It's it's just a, a way to, for, for, to get a sense of what you consider to be the way yeah. you express yourself. I, I think yeah. it's interesting for people to hear it before they actually hear your music. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the other question often I, I, I think is under that. And when I ask people, oh, tell me about your style, I, I'm usually asking sort of who would you sound like? Got it. So if I were to, <laughs> if I were to answer that question, which I'll ask... Um, yeah, I'd say it has, the music has, uh, or composers that I've deeply admired have included in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. I mean, Berg, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Messiaen, certainly. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, Stravinsky. Um, but then the French composers as well. So um, Ravel, I mean, he's just such an incredible orchestrator. So um, colorful. Yeah. And then I, I love I love the Germans. So like Mahler, certainly, and uh, Richard Strauss. So the operas, I just think, are are wonderful mm-hmm. source of... I just... I read them all the time because they're so... Favorite beautiful. Strauss opera, go. Huh. That's, that's a really I know. mean question. I know. I would narrow it down to Die Frau und Schatten, uh, Elektra, and and Der Rosenkavalier. Nice. All very, very different. Yeah, words. very different. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all great. Frankly, yeah. I think they're all great. And uh, you know, um, and what a what a bizarre career that he had. Totally. From yeah. one kind of one end to the other, an ending where he did it. And the political spectrums he lived through too. Absolutely. Quite fascinating. And the types of works he was writing during the Second World War, Capriccio, mm-hmm. and and these kind of lighter works, you kind mm-hmm. of. It raises a lot of questions and thoughts as totally. to why those then. But yeah, so the, uh, they would say them. But then, of course, within the the you know older classical canon, there's. I, I mean, I really could say most composers have had some influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Bach. Uh, you know, I, I there's a lot of kind of um, baroque structures that I think inform my music. So in this cycle, um, each each of the five songs is based on some kind of formal structure. So there's a fugue movement, um, there's a Pascalia, um, there are structures that kind of come from uh, Baroque and classical times. Mm. And then I think just, yeah, like early uh, French opera as well, Lully, Rameau, and ornamentation. So the whole gamut. So there there you go. How's that for a helpful answer? (laughs) Meaning you'd like to be well-versed in all music. (laughs) I mean, there's there's something wonderful in all of it. I think, you know, that's maybe that's it. It's having an attitude of of discovery in all of it. Nice. What is what is there and um i mean it's a world of discovery just mm-hmm. to go through the whole the whole gamut of it so these these poems now that you said in, in your first work with us here is, are they is it a multi-movement work or do, does it flow seamlessly how have you structured that yeah there's a there's a clear break between the movements okay. and the songs um and there there are clear sort of i would call them attitude shifts between okay. between them so there's even a perspective shift um first the first poem is in the voice of the um of the the person who's being, let's call it, invaded from the, Interesting. the outsider. Okay. And then the second to, to fifth take the perspective of the person who is um, finds themselves in a community where they have um, where they're rejected by okay. because they've come to this this place. So it it it, uh, it has an attitude shift. I mean, yeah, but there there's space and delineation wow. between the movements. I'm really looking forward to hearing this. When's the premiere? Uh, November 4th. Okay, November 4th. Um, and Here at the NAC. It's going to be at the National Gallery. Oh, at the National Gallery. Is this for the Music for a Sunday Afternoon yes. series? Excellent. Yeah. Okay. That... Being paired with uh, Beethoven Septet. Great. Yeah. Oh, what a cool yeah. program. Um, 
so let's talk more about what your residency entails here, because this mm -hmm. is just the first work of two that you'll, yeah. you'll be writing for the for the orchestra. Yes. Have you started brainstorming about your your, your full scale work for oh, orchestra? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the brain is already there. Well, yeah. you know, the second work. One of the things that I really wanted to, while this first work that we just discussed, the 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 song cycle. Um, doesn't directly relate to my own experiences as a Métis person. Okay. It has certain, uh, clearly reference um, to it, this question of... You have a kind of, um, you feel a connection to it? I, I do, and I think that the there are themes within the, the poetry itself that kind of um, reference the Métis experience okay. in Canada. Mm -hmm. the, the second work will more explicitly do that. Um, okay. It's, it's actually going to be, it's a 20-minute piece for the orchestra, uh, and it's, it's called uh, Le Loup de la Fontaine. This is a, uh, this, the, uh, the, the wolf of La Fontaine. And uh, this is a story that comes out of my own community. Mm. Um, it's a story that I heard um, as a kid. And there's, there's even a festival in my hometown, for the festi Festival of the Wolf. Excellent. Uh, and so really the story is kind of half fable, half historic. Um, there is a community uh, that has settlers in it. It has indigenous people in it. But none of these communities really get along. They kind okay. of exist in their own ghettos, if you will. We're talking mm -hmm. small farming community mm -hmm. uh, in Ontario. And all of a sudden, the wolf comes to town and starts really terrorizing the, the town. It, um, it's described as, you know, finding um, a broken town and kind of capitalizing on, on the brokenness mm. and, the, and, the, the, and that. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the community has to kind of deal with this, this wolf and then the community has to get together and kill the wolf. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that will then unify the town yeah. and these, these disparate communities. It's, it's a, an interesting story to me, and it's always been a problematic one because this wolf is, you know, is the villain, if you yeah. will, of the community. But it's also kind of the scapegoat. Um, the wolf is the the sacrificial lamb, if you will. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different ways of reading that. So getting back to the work, I'm going to write a, a piece for the orchestra that'll be something that could almost be like a a non-danced ballet, if you will. Okay, um, sounds really cool. A piece that could have movement at a later mm -hmm. point. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun work. Well, the, the, I'm, to continue with the story, can can I? It, obviously the the fable slash historical story has a lot of significance mm -hmm. in, in terms of what it's saying <laughs> yeah so how are you have you thought about maybe i'm maybe we're like talking about the secrets to your composition that we shouldn't get into <laughs> yet but uh, maybe you want to surprise us all but what what kinds of ideas are, are percolating with how to mm. approach that kind of source material yes with the forces you'll have available to you are you going to use purely orchestra is that a fair yeah. question to ask? Okay. Yeah, so it'll be a purely orchestral. There will be okay. no uh, no text, no okay. no uh, song. But one thing I'm doing right now <clears throat> in the planning stages of the work uh, is is f sort of fashioning a libretto for the work. Okay. So I'm I'm creating a, a gentle narrative that could be printed in a house program, so people can can follow short movement by short okay. movement. What what action? So you want you want people to feel this this sense of a program? Absolutely. To yeah. the, to the work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to be um, 
What's what am I going to ask? Is it going? Would you like to call it a program work, or is it? Is oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah fine okay. With that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so hard for me. Even when I've written just purely orchestral work, I will create a program, even okay. if I don't share that program. Okay, cool. Um, I think you know, I I can't help but think narrative within a narrative thread mm-hmm. in anything that I write. There's always an arc. There's always a kind of dramatic shape to it, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't escape that. Okay. In fact, I. I almost don't understand how to escape that, okay. if you will. And I don't know that I ever would want to. Okay. So here's a here's a layman's question because <laughs> I, I've dabbled in com- composing a yeah. little bit by, by myself. I find it really difficult. Mm-hmm. How are you going to compose 20 minutes for a full orchestra? Is that like is that something you've done before? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's I. Well, that you know, it's funny. Uh, it's always frightening at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's frightening thinking of sitting in a chair and, you know, as one generates ideas and then mm-hmm. writes them down and, and fashions them and moves them around and figures them out. Uh, it's frightening. Having, you know, knowing that I've gotten to the other side of, of that already, um, yeah. like knowing that I've, I, I can complete a piece and I, this, mm-hmm. this does happen, then I think I, I have to, I kind of relax. I think, you know, for me, it's just about about wondering at the sound world of this place. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll kind of imagine the 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 scene playing before my eyes, and then I listen for what accompanies or what hmm. exists there sound-wise. You know, certainly I, I, I will also generate ideas, motivic ideas, um, gestural ideas, uh, things that I, I kind of see as, as starting points. Mm-hmm. And then usually that just kind of is like a snowball. It, it just it starts nice. going down the hill and the, the piece is attached to it and <laughs> it becomes a fully fledged piece. Cool. Um, the way I, I, I'll approach this work as I do with a lot of my orchestral work is is thinking... Um, you know, writing it in a in a short score form. So I don't. I'm not writing immediately for the orchestra, but I am thinking about color and texture and, okay. and those kinds. So of when things. you say short score, are you going to sit? Do you compose from the piano? Um, often, yeah. yeah. I'll Great. Both at and away from. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So when I when I say short score, I just mean um, usually it's something that you can't play by yourself on the piano. Okay. Got it. In, in you know, but it's on a number of lines, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's it's. It kind of includes all of most of the detail of the mm-hmm. orchestral work um, that then has to be kind of elaborated when I go to orchestra. Mm-hmm. I find the, the you know it's funny Strauss always said like the the worst part of writing a work is is the composing of it. Um, when you get to orchestrating, it's just like you can have you can have a conversation with someone and mm-hmm. orchestrate. And I, it's totally true for me when I when I get to the stage of I'm I'm thinking about the full orchestra. It's like I can watch TV and do it. It's it's that it's there. Wow, you know? Cool. <laughs> I've often imagined it's it's akin to like coloring. It's kind of like coloring. Yeah. <laughs> and and really, you know, yeah. you can you can make. I, you can make wrong choices, sure, mm-hmm. but really it's about making better choices. And, and sometimes it's saying, I like what's that. the best way to do this mm-hmm. or what's the more effective way of doing it? What and, 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 you know, for me too, it's about thinking about the player. What will they want to play? Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the best way to present that for them so that it, it, it gives the greatest ease when they actually sit to read the score? Well, this is an interesting point. We, we, we've really talked about this on the series of podcasts, but it might be interesting to talk about what orchestration is for people who don't know what mm-hmm. that actually means. In, in, in essence, Ian's talking about <clears throat> which instruments and uh, will be used to play certain material you've composed yeah. and how, how that will be set. So when yeah. we say color, we're referring to different instruments and their different colors. Yeah. And the choices you make, sometimes there are limitations to instruments, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I mean, a great example would be if you think of playing a chord on the piano or on a guitar or on any instrument, you know, you could say a C major chord. So it is going to have a particular sound. 
um, when you think then, how will I get an orchestra to play that? Mm -hmm. You have almost an infinite number of options as to how do you do that. So for example, I could play that same chord um, in the strings only. I could play it in the very low strings. Um, I could I could space those notes really far apart, or I could jam them together. And if I jam them together and put them really low in the say the the the, the double basses and the um, and the cellos, you're going to get a very certain type of yeah. sound. If I were to give that to a, a choir of clarinets and ask them to play it extremely high, you're going to get a, a very, very particular yeah. type of sound. Yeah. So it's the same yeah. chord, mm -hmm. but um, the choices you make within the the families of the orchestra mm -hmm. will make it sound different. And then, of course, you don't have to have that same chord just in one family. It can mm -hmm. cross multiple mm -hmm. families. So every time I, I, I will think of how to space a chord out or how to, um, where to place a particular like little melodic idea in the orchestra, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the effect it'll have. Um, the, 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 am I asking the player to play it loud mm -hmm. or quiet? Can they do that in that part of their instrument? Mm -hmm. um, and what's, what resulting sound will it have? in relation to all the other sounds that are happening. It sounds insanely complex, and it kind of is. It kind of is. But it's also kind of amazing. It's, yeah. it, I think if you approach it from the perspective of you're playing, uh, you're playing with sound, yeah. then it's a lot of fun, actually. Well, also, like the, the nice thing about this, in, this entire residency, it's, it's an opportunity for you and, and other composers that will come through this program now to workshop and test new things right oh my gosh i mean that's the whole point is that we're, we're the orchestra and the musicians are there for your yeah use <laughs> this is i mean i've got to tell it's you it's like a laboratory <laughs> it, is, it is the one of the, the most exciting parts of this residency and really i have to remember is such a unique opportunity because to work with musicians of this caliber um and ask them not only technical questions but almost emotional questions mm -hmm. of like when when you see that score how does it make you feel <laughs> like really that's I'm, okay. I'm interested in that like does does that make you want to just shut the score and like walk away crying wow or, because i think you know we there there are composers and i've i've been guilty of it although i'm i'm i am making a concerted effort to not be guilty of it anymore that composers will write absolutely impossible things almost mm. i wonder why i mean to to I think it's I think it's usually out of a place of fear of mm. that that they will be perceived as being too simplistic and therefore not creative enough or I don't mm -hmm. know what it is, mm -hmm. and so they'll write extremely complex rhythms that are a, just a pain to count and the player is so uh, obsessed with playing it properly that that sort of deeper things in the music like the thinking about balance and thinking about mm -hmm. emotion or thinking about what goes into that. Mm -hmm. Don't there's no time for that. Mm, so and, and and like I said, you know, the I, I get to sit through orchestral rehearsals. Um, I get to watch the players navigate the score. Um, I get to talk to them at at breaks mm -hmm. um, and ask them questions. And then of course the workshopping of my own pieces, where I can say, you know, I, I walked into this workshop this week and said, guys, I'm here to learn. Mm. <laughs> so what doesn't work? let me know and Great. tell me why it doesn't work more importantly. Great. And yeah, and yeah I'm sure you're receiving oh, a lot of feedback. feedback. Yeah. Great. That's I can't play amazing. that many notes in that short period of time. I can't, uh, the, the, the moving between that note and the next note, it crosses a really awkward part of my instrument. Therefore, could we try something like this? Interesting. The, these kind of technical things are yeah. super helpful and you, yeah. you don't know them otherwise. Right. Well, I mean, like we all spend so much time focusing on what we're trying to do really well yeah. that to know, 
that about every other person's instrument. <laughs> how, how long a life can you have? Exactly. <laughs> this is really exciting. So um, you are now in the second year. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming the premiere of your next work will be next season? Yeah, it'll, it'll okay. be at the opening of the 2019 season. Great. And do you have any f- future projects on the horizon after this residency that you're really looking forward to? Yeah. Um, you know, I have... Th- this this opportunity has, has certainly opened doors for me. Um with other opportunities. And I, I'm really excited to say it, it's been recently announced that um, that I'll be actually the composer in residence for the Canadian Opera Company. Hey, um, Yeah, for, awesome. two, for two years following my time here. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge honor. Thank you. So I'll write a work for their ensemble studio, um, a 50-minute opera. And, I mean, that's just... Kind of an extension of this in some ways. Man, you're um, getting to write opera now. Oh yeah, for an opera. It's <laughs> incredible. And I mean, what Very great, cool. the, what the best training that I've had here in terms of of working with an orchestra and learning the orchestra so much better, um, and and learning to write for um, so much better, hopefully, <laughs> uh, and then being able to transfer those skills to specifically thinking more intensely about the voice, and mm-hmm. then how all of the because I'm you add additional parts moving parts to writing an opera you've got singers you've got mm-hmm. usually an orchestra you've got um you've got you know the drama on a stage you've got costumes and yep. sets and you've got you know lighting and all of these all extra that adds extra complexities and complexity. variables yeah. yeah yeah that affect the music really I'm sure really and truly so yeah. It's a great opportunity. Uh, I have just access to the resource of the Canadian Opera Company and and their their visiting artists and their staff, which are incredible. And we'll yeah continue. Hey, congratulations! To write work. Thanks so much. I look forward Appreciate to hearing that. those works when they when they're premiered. That's great news. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for doing this today. This has been a great conversation, and I, I, we all look really really look forward to hearing all of these works and and see where your career goes from here. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. This has been a National Arts Center podcast. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NEC podcasts at necpodcast.ca, or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. Thank you.